B. Mitch and Finley, 106.7 The Fam. It's funny, man. A dominant storyline from that game is emerging. It's about how crappy that field was. Yeah. It's uh, it it's crazy, man. But I think the league, gotta they got to be careful with that. Your biggest game of the year. You got to chill with the yeah, paint. You can't have all. It wasn't just the paint. They were slipping everywhere. And you look at the amount of things happening out there. They tried a new grass, first of all. And then you had all the stuff happening at halftime and all that. And then you see people slipping. They got to be careful. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to talk about Eric Bieniemy. I wrote a story this morning. You can check it out on the NBC Sports Washington website. Um, I tweeted it out, whatever. You want to find it. At J.P. Finley, NBCS. Um, It's been widely reported that the commanders have been waiting around to interview Eric Bieniemy. That's why they haven't settled their offense coordinator spot, right? Mm -hmm. I think we got to be real about what to expect this offseason for the commanders. And I don't think there's much to expect. I think they're going to roll with Sam Howell. I think the biggest decision will be if they tag Deron Payne. Mm -hmm. I'm not expecting a lot of a flurry of activity around free agency. Uh, They have the 16th pick in the draft. I'd expect them to take a corner or a tackle. Not exactly sexy positions, you know? They're they're not going to sell out of jerseys. They may not sell out of jerseys, but I'm, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm sick of the regular way. Trying to sell a damn jersey. You know, no one helps you sell more jerseys. Win the damn game. I'm with I you. saw offensive lineman jerseys for the Eagles and also the Chiefs out there in Arizona. Sure. Because they win. The biggest move the commanders can make this offseason, frankly, I think especially coming off that Super Bowl, coming off Andy Reid talking about him, coming off Patrick Mahomes talking about him, would be to hire Chiefs offense coordinator Eric Bieniemy. And let's be real, we have no idea what Bieniemy would be like here. Because yeah. you don't have Mahomes, you don't have Kelsey, and he'd be the primary play caller, which whether or not he is part of calling plays, whether he calls them half the time, all the time, a quarter of the time, he has not always been the primary play caller. It would be a new opportunity here. So I don't think we know what he would be. Mm-hmm. But I know he'd be the most exciting candidate, and I know that he would come here with a pedigree, even if it's just osmosis. He's been the offensive coordinator for this Chiefs team that has been to three Super Bowls in the last four years, five mm-hmm. years with a dynamic offense year after year and creative play calling and a boatload of motion. So to me, you you look at this and the fans that were upset how long it's taken and that Ron played golf at Pebble Beach, if they get the enemy, I think all of that is forgotten. Possibly. I believe Patrick Mahomes talked about Eric Bieniemy. This is the Super Bowl, a two-time Super Bowl MVP talking about his offensive coordinator from last night. 
I mean, EB means the world to me, man. Uh, the way he holds me accountable, the way he makes me be great every single day, man. This man's one of a kind, man. He's one of the greatest. So I had a dude last night, because I tweeted out when Andy Reid talked about enemy being phenomenal in the preparation this week and in the adjustments they made in the second half. And this dude said, yeah, that was a plant. You're telling me in the moments after a Super Bowl win, the head coach that just won his second ring is worried about planting something in the media? See, this is this is a, the people like that and a lot of these media guys that like to say certain things. You know the rumors that were floating around is that Pat Mahomes don't like Eric Bieniemy, And they say, why? Oh, because he keeps them accountable. Isn't that what a coach is supposed to do? Hold you accountable? Make sure you keep doing your best? So I don't think it's a plant. I think a lot of people in the media, they do things. They know what they're doing, but they try to act like they don't know what they're doing. You keep the negative vibe out there by, a per- by the person. You make it seem like something else. When ultimately, you just don't like him because of what he looks like. That's, that's the thing. And, and, and it's getting to the point where there are a lot of podcasts out there. I have a, I want to have a podcast just to talk about dumbass media people because a lot of them do things that are just wrong. And we know what they're doing. We know what they're trying to per- perpetuate and things like that. And they need to be called out on it sometimes. Because when you ask them the reasons, they can't give you any reasons for it. So Eric Benemy has been known to be, you know, he gets in the players' faces. You know why? Because he played ball. And he knows what they are going to respond to. Well, he, he he's mad. He's mean. Bill, Bill Belichick mean. He wins. Well, he doesn't call plays. Well, a lot of people don't call him for the first time, but you got to work on it. You get better at it, don't you? Yeah. You know, I just think ultimately all the positives they could talk about, they ignore them. But it always seems to happen that way, let's be real, in a predominantly white profession, they normally are always bringing out all the negatives about one person, the black person. I, And that plays some, that plays on my nerves sometimes. Sure, I get that. I... I... I don't know how the Cardinals' first call after yesterday's game is to Jonathan Gannon and not Biennemi. And I understand. I thought Biennemi had a good line during media night about coaching opportunities, and, and his answer was something to the effect, yeah, I interviewed for the head coach with the Colts, and I thought it went great. We'll see what happens. Like He, he doesn't seem to want to entertain the and off, now and now they want to hire the Eagles offense coordinator. Already, already. I, I think he already got a job. See what I'm saying? So it's, I think. So so here's the scenario I think would be enemy, and we're gonna open the phone lines up for the first time today in a few minutes here. If you want to get on there, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067, MGM National Harbor listener lines. People talk so well about Biennemi, and I thought <laughs> whatever you want to say about his ability to interview, whatever that is, he, I don't know. I, I don't see it or hear it. Maybe he's a bit defiant, but maybe he's a bit defiant because he feels like he's been passed over for a long time. <laughs> what the hell? Um, I, 
I firmly believe that getting Bienemy would be the best offseason news the Commanders are going to get. I, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath about a major free ag- free agent acquisition. And I think, let's be real, B. We don't know what Bienemy would show up and be as a play caller. We just don't. We don't. But we don't know what any of these dudes would show up and be as a play caller. We, we didn't with, know what any of the coaches that came before him would be. Neither. With this team, this offense, all of it. Who knows? But I know there is no greater pedigree, no greater resume, no greater CV of any of the people that the commanders have talked to. Nobody, yeah. nobody touches what the enemy brings to the table right now. You're right. But... Why are you talking? Something popped in my head. Sean Payton said that potential buyers were talking to him. Are potential buyers putting information out to other people? Could some of them also be trying to push what they want to happen? Because they know that they're probably going to be the front runners. Is that possible? Sure. I mean, a lot is possible, right? And I think if the easy question is, why would Biennemi want to come here? Yep. Fair. If you're Biennemi and you've been working on that offense for this long and they've been really good with Alex and then great with Mahomes. Yeah. And you just don't get the credit. Because Andy gets the credit, Mahomes gets the credit, Kelsey gets the credit. Before that, it was Tyreek. You, you come to Washington and you succeed, get all the credit. Yeah, you do. Because the whole staff it. is defensive. Is it you got a rookie, you got a second year quarterback. Is it tougher to have success here, though, than the other places? Let's, I think sometimes you just got to get to the point where you know what's really going on. The outside doesn't. And I'm sure Eric feels this way. He knows what he puts into it. He knows what he implements. And just like his coach stated that, you know what, down the stretch, he knows how he adjusts and say, Coach, and, and he may, look, if I tell you to call something and you call it, and every time, and down the stretch, I'm telling you to call something and you call it, I'm not calling the plays. You are, because you're calling it through the mic. But I'm telling you what play to call, right? It just—I've watched Andy on the sidelines some games where plays are going in. Eric is the one hitting the button, talking. Andy ain't talking at all, not even looking at the card. So I don't know if he—I don't know their percentages of what they call, but I know I've seen him on the sideline calling plays, and I've seen Andy sitting up there looking and letting it go. You know, so I—I just—I've watched coaches on the sideline. When someone else is calling and they're checking and changing everything and they have problems, you know, getting to play. Like yesterday, uh, who was it? Sirianni, when they got the delay of game. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's so much that goes on on the sideline and it amazes me. So many people like to talk about what they know knows is happening or not when there's a lot of conversation before a play goes from the sideline. 
How about this? And this is a play that I don't think we've talked about yet, but was incredibly smart, intelligent, unselfish, and and maybe was why they won. When he's lit. Jarek McKinnon sliding. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes of the McKinnon slide. I want to give the credit to Eric Bieniemy because even though sometimes we get tired of them talking about those moments, they always seem to happen in the biggest games. And he makes sure we go through the details about them every single week. Mm-hmm. I know that players get tired of coaches bugging them about little stuff week after week. But you know what? In the Super Bowl, in the biggest moment, it mattered. I would promise you, before he went on that field, and they knew what play they were running, he said, don't score. We got to run this time off this clock. Now, for the player who's been looking for this moment all his life, to follow through with Score it. Score a game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Brian Westbrook did the same thing in the, in the game. Let me just rolled on the ground, gave himself up, I guess, the one, two yard line. Todd Gurley did it. You, yeah, you see those, people do it. Those things happen. And, but you're probably being reminded of it. Huh? Oh, you'll be reminded. And I think, I think they remind them of it. When it happened last night, I say, as coaching or a veteran player who said, dude, we're not going to try and score right here. We got to run this time. We don't want to give him the ball back. Because if they get the ball back, it's going to tell them what could happen. With yeah. time on the clock. The enemy on the slide. We spend a lot of time talking about end-of-game situations every single week of all the different things that can happen. And you never know when such a situation might present itself. Our guys listen. They understand what it takes to be a complete professional. And they also understand that those situations can present themselves. It's important that we do it the right way. You know what the right way does? Help you win? Do things the right way and you add in some elite talent. <laughs> Three Super Bowls in five years, two wins. Yeah. You know, every time I see somebody do something on special teams, I always say, I always tell you it's bad coaching. I I I work with three that I'll give credit to. Well, f- yeah, four. Wayne Severe, Pete Rodriguez, LaCharles McDaniel, and John Harbaugh. They talked about those type of uh, situations every damn day. And like you said, you're getting that. But you know what Bill Belichick does? And not just with offense and defense, special teams. He will walk up to an offensive player and ask him about a defensive role. He'll ask a a special teams guy about something that happens on offense. So the whole team understands what's going on, what happens in that situation. Everybody is throwing it out there when the play is about to happen. Some The person that's going to be doing the play picks it up. Educating the kids on the rules of the game is as important as just the damn play. Phone lines, when we return, open 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. A lot of people are like, why would Eric Bieniemy want to come to Washington? I'll give you one reason you haven't thought of yet. Don't go anywhere. It's B. Mitchell Finley. B. Midget Finley, 1067, the fan. Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid said yesterday, Eric Bieniemy has been tremendous for us. I think he's been tremendous for the NFL. I'm hoping he's having an opportunity to go somewhere and can do his thing where he can run the show and be Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. Running the show versus running an offense, different things. It 
I, I, we could be proved wrong, but it doesn't seem like he's going to get a head coaching job. It looks like the Colts are going to Shane Steichen, the Eagles' offensive coordinator, and it looks like the Cardinals are down to two people, Lou Anaromo, who is the defense coordinator for the Bengals, who I think is wildly underrated, or Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator for the Eagles. That means should the enemy want to leave, and he's, his contract is expiring in Kansas City, he's going to be interviewing for coordinator jobs. And I think the commanders are a real option here. I think if you want to say he has been the primary play caller in Kansas City, okay. But, man, there's been a ton of success out there. And, man, everybody speaks really highly of him. Mm-hmm. You tell me he can't come to Washington and just call plays? I think you're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Phone lines are open. 800-636-1067. Steve is in Maryland. Steve, what up, man? Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. Love your show. Been listening to y'all for a long time. I finally get to talk to you for the first time, and I appreciate you having me on. Uh, thanks, you, man. Appreciate it. Hey, um, this is a perfect place for Eric because he knows that Ron is in his situation, and if he can succeed – and have a well offense, if he does well with the offense this year, he's going to be moved up to a head coaching search that's already in building. You know what I mean? If they let go of Ron, they already have their coach, here's his chance, take it. And I'm pretty sure he's going to take it. And he knows that this is the best way for him to do it because if he succeeds, he's going to succeed and move on up. That's my take. Thanks for the call, dude. I appreciate it. You know, I, but he did say if he succeeds. I said this to you in the break. It's a it's a tough situation to where yeah, I could go there and things can work out. Things can also not work out. So one reason I think DC kind of makes some sense. He gets to run the offense. Mm-hmm. You like to think he gets full control. I think. I'd love to get some truth serum into Scott Turner and find out if he had full control. Based on a lot of things we've heard, we've found out no. I think you got to like the commander's weapons. McLaurin, Dotson, Curtis Samuel. Definitely. The running backs, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. I'd love to see what the enemy would do with Gibson. I mean, Gibson's a super talented player that I feel like has always been a little miscast in the role of RB1. And if you have more of like a timeshare split and you're more creative with Gibson moving him around, I feel like that could be pretty interesting. You got serious O-line questions, but the biggest the biggest question to me is what does Biennemi think about Sam Howell? If you're if you're intrigued by the skill set and the talent and the athleticism and the big arm, I, I think that would be pretty telling if if he was to take the job. Here's another thing. Because you can say the Ravens are the better job, even with the question about Lamar. Undoubtedly. Zero debate. But where's the easier place to be? The NFC or the AFC? Eagles are loaded. They're going to lose both their coordinators. They're going to lose probably at least three or four starters on defense. They could... Uh, nobody would be stunned if their center, Jason Kelsey, retires. But you got Hurts. You got both those receivers. 
You got a lot of talent. The Niners are really good. But a path to a wild card, a path to a playoff spot in the NFC, way easier than the AFC. I hear you saying that. But I keep telling you, players and coaches don't think like that. They don't care about easy. They care about best opportunity. And I think every coach. But isn't that part what makes something a best opportunity could be? Not necessarily. I think ultimately, Jay, coaches and players don't care if it's tougher. If I got the better people around me on my squad, I think I can win in anywhere. And we talk about this ego thing with players. Coaches have far greater egos than players because they think they can fix everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think ultimately, if if his thing is about just getting an opportunity to call all the players, be in charge, Washington could be a good spot. But he also gets some assurances from his coach or president of football operations that you all going to go get me an offensive line. I think you with all that talent we had yet last year, didn't work a lot because the offensive line was horrible. Let's say the enemy's choices are Baltimore or Washington. And he goes to Baltimore and they keep Lamar. Mm-hmm. He's going to be in a similar situation. Yeah, the offense worked, but he had Lamar Jackson. You, you come here and this offense works. But see, I don't. They're going to throw you a parade. But the whole thing about it is if he goes there and that offense works. And it be it's better than what he was doing with Roman, where they couldn't really have a passing game, or when they stopped the the uh, run, they couldn't do anything, and he could do something there. He'll get credit because I think ultimately right now it's more about the fact that Andy Reid, because of Andy Reid's reputation and, and how he's been so successful, that it's more about Andy, not Pat, because a lot of uh, great quarterbacks come out, but the, the person calling the plays normally get the, the, the credit for it, you know. I think ultimately if he was to go either of those places, here, there, and have success, he's going to be able to move forward because John, defensive mind. Ron, defensive mind. Right. He changes that by any having success at either one of them. But think about this. If he goes in and fix, make, uh, make Lamar a better quarterback, you get way more, a, a way bigger and quicker reputation doing that than coming in here and just starting to move a little bit. Develop Sam Howell. Lamar's Develop, already won an MVP. I understand that. He won an MVP, and then from since then, he hadn't gotten close. Just because of the injuries. I understand. That's why. Make him into a better quarterback. Make him into a passer, not just a runner. Make him be, it's different things you can do. Developing Sam Howell is going to take more than just Sam Howell. Still, my first question would be, how are you going to fix my offensive line? They fix the offensive line, I think it's a, a, a nice spot to come to. But if they don't fix the offensive line and show some attention to that, I don't buy that. Let's go to Mark in Burke. Mark, what up, buddy? Hey, guys. How you doing today? Doing well, man. Doing how great. Doing? What's up, man? Good, good. Hey, listen, guys. I, I really respect you guys, and uh, I just love the show. Thanks, uh, I'm, we're talking about the enemy here, and I watched him last night just masterfully put game plan together uh, to deal with Mahomes' injury, too. I mean, he let's not forget he was dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just put together the, the perfect game plan. 
And, uh, you know, I'm just thinking, is this guy really going to want to come here and deal with Rivera? I mean, he's got, you know, where he is, he's got Andy Reid. He's worked with these great coaches. And as I watched both teams last night, the Eagles and, you know, Eagles controlled the clock in the first half. That was a really good game plan. They just got beat by a better team at the end of the day. Rivera didn't know the playoff situation. I mean, how do you survive that as a head coach? I don't, I'm a teacher, guys. If I don't know the dates of, like, major tests, I'm going to get fired. And this guy doesn't know the playoff situation. He's a head coach. I'm just thinking our entire organization suffers because of that. And I don't even know if we can see how good our players are because they're so mismanaged. I just like your thoughts because I really respect y'all's opinion. Well, to be honest with you, I think you got to realize (laughs) is 32 opportunities in the NFL. And you make some fantastic money while doing it. And like I just stated, every coach has an ego that they, they can fix everything. That's one of the reasons why he would want to come here. And I think Washington understands if we try to get him here, we're going to have to make sure he's going to be well compensated. If he comes in with that mind. If he comes in here to take over and do some things, because believe me, Ron needs some of his uh, Eric's exploits and positive things to help him out too. Totally. Because his situation is not all great right now after these last three years. Nikki Jabbala, Washington Post, just said via Twitter, sounds like Eric Bieniemy might not be the only interview the commanders are trying to line up this week for their offensive coordinator search. Um, the more the merrier, I guess. <laughs> you've already interviewed. Now, I think two of those guys have taken other positions, but you've already interviewed Zampezi, Shermer, Stoodsville, London, Lynn. We're forgetting somebody. Um, there was a sixth, but I... You've been turned down by Daryl Bevel. Um, Caldwell. Caldwell. Did we say Thomas Brown? Thomas Brown. Thank yeah, you. Brown. Um, and, you know, Brown was a, a candidate that folks, I think, were really excited about. But you wonder if he would want to come to this situation where he's going to be a young guy trying to grow his career. It's, um, I don't know, man. It's an interesting, interesting time. I'm not sure. Where do you think the enemy wants to go? And you know, and, and not that you know, but like, where do you think? A team where he's going to have the tools he needs to be to show his uh, show what he's really about. For once, I'm going to please landfill and break almost on time. Keeping your phones going, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. Do you want enemy? Will they get enemy? Are they going to land with somebody else? Don't go anywhere. It's B. Mitch and Finley. B. Mitch and Finley, uh, going to get back to the MGM National Harbor listener lines. A lot of folks want to talk Eric enemy. We got time. Uh, I did want to pass this along. Obviously, some sad news. The principal owner of the Washington Nationals, Ted Lerner, Passed away at 97 years old. A statement from Major League Baseball Commissioner Robert Manfred. Ted Lerner was a proud product of Washington, D.C., an avid baseball fan and an extraordinary American success story. 
In 2006, this one-time usher at Griffith Stadium took ownership in the nation's capital and in 2008 made Nationals Park a first-class destination. The Nationals era of winning baseball culminated in the 2019 World Series Championship, the first baseball the first for baseball fans in the district since 1924. Most importantly, the Nationals have always remained loyal to Ted's vision of unity, philanthropy, and civic pride in Washington. I have great appreciation for Ted's impact on his hometown and the game he loved. On behalf of Major League Baseball, I extend my deepest condolences to Ted's entire family, including Annette Lerner, Mark Lerner, and Judy Lincoln Lerner, Marla Lerner Tannenbaum, and Robert Tannenbaum, and Deborah Lerner Cohen and Edward Cohen. I believe that's his wife and then his children and their spouses. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly a nice statement there. I... uh, it, it's crazy to be in Nats Park, in the Navy Yard area, mm-hmm. and think about how much this has changed since 2008. Yeah. I mean, I came here at a time, well, back in the 90s, early 90s, and then you see it now. And I think he had a great vision. And as, uh, like, the Major League Baseball said, I guess, for 106.7 The Fan and he mentioned Finley, we send our condolences to the family as well because, like, listen, man, you can disagree with things that owners do, but at this moment it's about showing the respect sure. and the love. And I think what he did, he brought this city a World Series, as we stated. I can tell you, in my moments, you know, it's one of them up there. You know, ex- experiencing that as a fan and experiencing, like, you know, with the, when the Caps thing happened and stuff. A magical yeah. run is. Yeah, that stuff came. It, it, was, it was fantastic, which it'll be something I get to talk about for a long time. Like, because. I was around and at right. a lot of the places, right. you know. So I think uh, they they all should be proud. That whole family, yeah, absolutely. And uh, our heartfelt condolences to the Lerner family. And you can say a lot now, but they spent a lot of money for a decade. They mm-hmm. were top ten in baseball and salary cap. I. I've said repeatedly, I think Mike Rizzo is the best general manager in this city since Bobby Beathard. Mm. The learners hired Rizzo and and largely let him do the job, get out of the way and cut checks. And got to, got to applaud them for that. And just the vision to build up this part of town, which was largely nondescript, shall we say, uh, means a lot. Mm. Here's what I want to do. I want to keep talking about enemy. I, there was a Sean Payton thing over the weekend, and maybe we dive deep into that tomorrow, Landfill, just wonder who it was and who it helps and all these other things. I was able to report over the weekend that Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers, took a tour of FedEx Field. Um, I think Standing broke it. I think a bunch of people reported that he also toured the Ashburn facility. Um, there's apparently a mystery, bidder, a mystery bidder also getting tours. At this stage of the game, it's fairly normal to be taking tours. Josh Harris also toured the Broncos facility and Walmart took that thing down. Yeah, but I gotta just say this. Wouldn't that be something that you would want if you get ready to go buy a house, will you never go look at it? Totally. I mean I I, I think it's you know it's a it's a everything is news in football. But I think it's something that you expect him to want to do. I'm about to go and purchase something in the six six to seven billion dollar range, I need to go see what I'm buying. Yeah, I also want to see what my extra expenses are going to be. 
because the six point three or whatever they say he's bid doesn't get to pay for everything. Doesn't get to pay for a new stadium. Doesn't doesn't get to pay for the upgrades or the improvements you have to make at that stadium. Uh, some things may have to be made before next year because we've experienced a lot of terrible things already in the last year, which you don't want to see happen again. So I, I think that that is a, a a common or normal thing that that he did that people would want to do when spending that level of money. Well, another thing they're going to want to do, and this is where I think this gets complicated. If you're spending that much money, I think you want to have some say in who your coaching, what your coaching staff looks like. Yeah. And so Rivera seemingly has been taking his time making the offense coordinator hire. Now has he been waiting to talk to Eric Bieniemy? And is Bieniemy coming here? It's a relatively simple concept. Mm-hmm. Let's go to our guy Jeremiah in Fairfax. Jeremiah, what's up, man? Hey, how y'all doing? Thanks for having me on. Oh, uh, good, man. Real quick, just because I didn't get in last week, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I just want to put that out there. You're correct. But anyway, so on to the Bieniemy thing. I, I really doubt him coming here for just a few reasons. It's been a combination of bad things in the city over the past. It's been losing, which, you know, is what it is. It's been bad ownership, which is what it is. And then there's just been too many scandals and things like that. You can have scandals but still have a good owner. Look at the Patriots. You can have losing and still have a good owner. Like but all three of those combined, I think it just puts a funk around this team that I really – I don't think the enemy's going to want to be the person to – help lift all that up, and I, I don't This has been too much in this city for me to confidently believe that one of the most popular OC candidates would want to come to D.C. after everything that's happened the last 20 years. That's just my take on it. Maybe new ownership will change that. Who knows? Not me. That's why we're just speculating. But y'all have a good show, and B. Mitch, can't wait to see you in the Hall of Fame with Joe Jacoby one day. Appreciate you, brother. What do you make of that, B? What, he just stated? Is the... I mean, we've heard coaches think, talk about the dark cloud that hovers over this organization. Like, I think um, with the knowledge that there's about to be a change, some people will look past what has transpired. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel that you have fans, you have media people, people around the NFL, and I'm saying that because I've talked to people saying the same thing, that it just seems like, there's going to be a new life about to pop up. I think we're all certainly hoping. <laughs> and I, I think that's, that is is a great hope. And I think a lot of people, when things are about to change, they want to be a part of it. Let's take one more. Todd is in Gaithersburg. Todd, what up, man? Hello. Good afternoon. Thank you, doing, you for take, giving me the opportunity to call and talk to you. Mr. Brian Mitchell, it's my honor to address you. What percentage of the possibility pie would it be that Coach Reed is thinking about stepping down and wants to put Coach Bienemy right there as his successor? I don't I know. We heard a, I know he, heard he, a hard. He, go ahead. Go ahead. We heard a hard sell last night after the game, and. Coach Reed's, you know, been around a while. So have I. But, uh, you know, just a thought I had putting it all together. I just think, and Andy, though, I don't think Andy's ready to step down. You know, I, I think a lot of people look at it, they, they want to say when a coach should step down. 
it's what they know. You know, they're, they're teachers. They want to coach. They want to try to develop guys and be the best they can be. And he was asked the question, was he thinking about it? He said no. And I 100% believe him. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. If that was the case, I think Eric would already have a contract because his extension, his contract is coming up. I think if they were planning on him being the next guy, they would already sign him and uh, be discussing If the long-term plan was him to be the next guy, that he'd have a long-term contract, and that would probably be announced already. Yes, yes. It hasn't been. I think he's moving on this year. I don't know where to. Here's what you should do. Don't move on anywhere. Stay right here. We got to talk halftime, commercials, and what the hell's going on in Amsterdam. It's B. Mitch and Finley.